Welcome to the Retro Blood. You are all my children now. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets You got any idea how much blood jets out of a guy's neck? You've come back to us, Michael. Stop the rage. Welcome back, everybody, to the Retro Blood. J.A. Allison, James Klein, and we are continuing our ride throughout these different haunted horror movie motels. And we have taken a turn out of the snow and into some sunny, hot weather. And now we have uh, turned and have gotten stuck inside this hotel kind of off the beaten path it is the famous Bates Motel that we're in right now because we are doing a full review of Psycho 2 Psycho 2 what a crazy movie this one was how you doing Allison how's your trip so far to some of these different haunted hotels well we were cold for a bit in the snow and now we're out west and the heat but uh, so far, these tours of these uh, psychotic, scary hotels has been a lot of fun. A lot of fun for me. Yeah, I yeah. really enjoyed this. Oh, yeah, definitely. How's your stay at this um, newly vamped Bates Motel? I mean, we had a couple of drugs uh, in the room for us waiting there. Uh, we had like this Norman guy trying to offer, offer us some uh, toasted cheese sandwiches. Uh, we had like these like couple keep going in and out dressed as moms for some reason it's, it's been a pretty crazy visit so far i would say it has been it has been pretty crazy and, and it only gets crazier from here i think yep <laughs> so we're talking all about psycho 2 which was released on june 3rd 1983 and just like we do with every episode we talk about what's happening around a particular time of metal and pro wrestling and boy, what a couple doozies I found on this one. So, I think, Alice, I think we should start today with the pro wrestling, brother, of what kind of pro wrestling I found. So, the first one is, there was a famous match we were talking right before we got on here about this famous Japanese match. Now, I'm going to see if you got the same one that I did. Yeah, so, I'm interested to see if this is the same thing. So, Mine's think, bigger if you don't have the same thing. Okay. Maybe it is the same thing. We'll see. We always like to uh, uh, shock each other on the show to see who yeah, has to who can yeah. trump each other with the wrestling matches. Yeah, but, uh, we don't prepare. We we make sure we surprise each other as yeah. we do this live. <laughs> well, it's always best getting that reaction. You know what I mean? Like, oh shit, that came. <laughs> I got I got a good reaction for you on the music side because I did not know this particular thing until I found it out yesterday, and I was shocked. But we'll get there. All right. So this Japan match it happened at the Wrestle Grand Prix tournament in Tokyo, Japan. 
it was, I think it said it was on June 2nd. So about a day before this movie dropped, we had the mighty Hulk, Hulk Hogan. He defeated Antonio Inoki in the final of the inaugural International Wrestling Grand Prix Tournament, brother. Was that the match that you had? Oh, yeah. yeah. The first IWGP champion was Hulk Hogan. Yeah, of all people. Um, of all people. Of course, I mean... <clears throat> sorry. Um, so, it's inter- it's kind of interesting that this happened because... Um, 1983, Hulkamania had already started, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he I'm was already... To, yeah. he was, so when did he be- was it the fall of 83 when he became the world champion um let me look that up let's see when he beat Bob back I mean when he beat the Iron Sheik yeah it was somewhere it was it was somewhere it was definitely I can't before it was 82 or 83 I can't remember if it was 82 or 83 but it, either way so so if it wasn't if it, if so if it was fall of 83 it this makes more sense because he wasn't he wasn't the Hulk Hogan that we know quite yet but he still was a huge wrestler. So making him the first IWGP champion, I mean, that's a big deal. And that's a big honor for him, I think. For an, an, an Inoki, the man that owned the company, booked Hogan to go over him himself yeah. to be the first champion. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, pretty that's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. And I did not know that until I looked this up. I did not, I would have had no idea that Hogan was the first IWGP champion. I would have sworn it would have been Inoki. Okay, so it looks like when he won um, the title, mm-hmm. yeah, it looks like when Hulk, when he won the title, it was actually on January 23rd, 1984. Oh, wow. So I was completely off from that. Yeah. So it was, I thought it was fall of 83 or something, but or 82, but it was, it was January of 84. Well, yeah. that makes sense because it, because I noticed it came up that when we were talking about uh, on our first episode, when we were talking about Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. So that makes sense. So yeah, so so Hulkamania was about to start, but it hadn't yet. So th- that does make sense that this would be booked this way. Yeah, and then for um, a lot of people, like so, a lot of times when we saw Hulk Hogan in the WWF, he didn't really do too much like mat-based wrestling or you know chain wrestling. He's mostly like a guy who would uh, do like punches and strikes and a lot of cheating <laughs> in a lot of his matches. He, he didn't. He, he didn't really do much wrestling at all. Yeah. in WWF. But if you did watch his stuff in Japan, he actually was a pretty good wrestler. He did like drop kicks. Yeah, he did he like like technical takedowns. Um, very you know very good uh, match a uh, match bait style wrestling. So it was very different worlds when it comes to Hulk Hogan um, during that time. But that's very very interesting uh, little little card that we have there. Um, the next thing I found besides that huge match that happened in Japan was we are going again. It's another WCCW Star Wars uh, Ooh. event. Yes, and this one happened in June in June seventeenth, nineteen eighty three. So about two weeks after we would have been in the base motel of the Psycho Two, we would be going to this card, and this card was the the seventh overall Star Wars event. And like mm-hmm. I said on the previous show. Um, Star Wars is basically like WCCW's like biggest show. Um, you know, it had it, it didn't grow as much as like a WrestleMania, but as like I said before, it probably would have been like a good like SummerSlam style card. You know, very strong card, but it was their, you know, some of their biggest shows that they had during that time that particular promotion. 
And yeah, they also did it more than once a year too. So it wasn't yeah. like a once a year thing that Mania was. They yeah. did a Christmas Star Wars and then they did one in the summer. I know yep. they did at least two. Yeah. So for this particular year, I mean, we're looking at this was the first Star Wars that happened for 1983. But then we had another one had it on Independence Day. So it was around July 4th. We had a Labor Day Star Wars. We had a Thanksgiving Star Wars. And we had a Christmas Star Wars. So this is all wow, themed so out, brother. It's <laughs> right. just... like our show. It's all themed out like our show is. It's all themed out. So you, probably, you guys will probably be hearing a lot of Star Wars events uh, happen on the show. Because, you know, since they're having around these particular times um, that are themed out, they're really fun to talk about. And, you know, this is a good promotion because a lot of people went through this promotion. You know, like, you know, Ted DiBiase, King Kong Bundy. We talked about the Dingo Warrior came from here. This is where the Ron Erics were. We had Michael Hayes, the Fabulous Freebirds. Mm-hmm. You know, a ton of people came to the Dallas Territory. And this territory was really hot. It was definitely one of the hottest territories that was out there on the market at this particular time in history. So, but uh, let's get into some of the matches. I'm not going to talk about every match, but I'm going to talk about the matches that I think are very interesting. Okay. So, and a, lot of, and a lot of how these Star Wars tapings um, happened was it was a big event. And then they actually saved a lot of matches for their TV show. So, we did see, we do see that sometimes. Like, um, when they used to do those a lot of those uh, NXT takeovers, they actually did save a couple matches for the following week. They used to do that format. They don't do that anymore, but they used to do that format. So, that's what the yeah, Star Wars tapings format's like. As I say, that was weird to think about. I forgot that they did that. So you would see after a big takeover, you would basically have like, you know, three throwaway matches on NXT the next week. Yeah, pretty instead much. Instead of them doing a taping a new show, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess you know it just saves you money like taping everything all at once, and you're in front of a big crowd, a big hot crowd. Might not see it on TV. You know, like be like, hey, right. you could have been here. Exactly. So one match we have I thought was really fun was Buddy Roberts. Defeated Iceman Parsons in a hair versus hair match. So we actually don't see a lot of hair versus hair matches in the United States. That is mostly like a Mexico um, stipulation match. And if people don't know what a stipulation match, stipulation match means there's something on the line. So a lot of times in Mexico, they would have a hair versus hair match or a hair versus mask match. And yeah, so, or a mask versus mask. Yeah, or a mask versus... Yes, exactly. And how those work out, like whoever loses either has to get their head shaven bald or they have to take off the mask. So it's kind of the shows like you're, 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 you're trumping your opponent. Like you're, you're, you're embarrassing them in front of this huge crowd. So we don't see a whole lot of those nowadays. Um, you know, we have seen those in WWF in the past. Um, you know, and other promotions as well, too. It's just kind of like a fun... Actually, we did see that recently. I think we did see that on NXT 2.0. They did yeah, they had, hair versus hair. With Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes and whoever that are. Yeah, I think it was Duke Hudson. Oh. Yeah. Duke, Duke Hudson. Yeah, brother, tell me your favorite Duke Hudson match. is <laughs> <laughs> the one where he lost his hair. That's the only one I can think of. Yeah, so this guy had appeared on TV for like two weeks and already got his head shaved. Yeah. But, um, but I did want to say... Right. right, we haven't seen him since. But I did want to say one thing that people may not really get out of this though is that like a stipulation mask uh, match like a mask versus mask match like it may not seem like as big a deal to remove your mask as it does to lose your hair but in mexico in mexican wrestling that's a really big deal like they don't even like mask wrestlers in, in mexico don't even their identities aren't even made public like you can't even look up the names for most masked wrestlers 
Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like it's 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 truly a secret, even though for the most part, since the since you know most wrestling is in dynasties and they run through the family, you can figure out like who uh who somebody is. Like uh, Psycho Clown is pretty obviously um uh Super Porky's son. Yeah. Because you know, Super Porky was a famous wrestler, and then they knew who his sons were growing up, and then one of them comes, you know, a guy who looks remarkably like him, and shows up wearing a mask, and you know, obviously it's him. But it is a big deal. Like you, you can't like usually you can't take your mask off and then put it back on in Mexico. Like you have to wrestle without a mask for the rest of your career, for the most part. Yeah, pretty much. So it's definitely it's uh, definitely pretty crazy, um, of how they do that. So another match we have over here is one of the the Von Erich kids, and we talked about them last last week on the episode. Basically, the Von Erich kids were like the you know um, Fritz Von Erich's sons, and they were like mm-hmm. pretty much the heartthrobs of the company. They were like the young, uh, good-looking, athletic uh, family duo that you know you think like okay, you have a promoter, the promoter is putting his sons, you know, like the sons, you know, even if they're bad, or they're bad or they're good, the dad's gonna keep pushing them and you know, make them to be like the biggest star because that's their sons and the dad owns a promotion. But on the Von Erich's case, they were actually really good wrestlers and they were really good baby faces. Yeah, they were great. Yeah. So, you know, a a story would be, would be like, um, what's it? Bill Watts' son. Uh, remember, uh, what's his son's name? Um, Oh God, he had a, uh, a son that he that son never just got over, you know, cause Bill Watts, he ran his own territory, but he had a son and his son went into wrestling Good wrestler and everything, but didn't have a lot of charisma that it takes to be a really yeah. good wrestler. Plus, a lot of people hated Bill Watts too. Yeah, in the business, I think. Yeah, I would say um, so. But but yeah, like it doesn't always work. Um, you know, uh, D- uh, Cody Rhodes, Dusty Rhodes' son. I mean, it seems to work for him. Um, although he's getting booed right now for some reason, but yeah. it it seemed to work for him because he just had that. Uh, uh, he had that look. You know, he looked like a wrestler. Yeah, and he's a good and he's a good wrestler too. I mean, don't get me wrong; I love Cody Rhodes, but you know he's a great wrestler. But he he also looked like a wrestler. He was in great shape, you know. So so you know so that worked for him. But yeah, the Von Erichs, Von Erichs were fantastic. Yes, and our boy David Von Erich he defeated Jimmy Garvin by one of the best stipulations ever by disqualification. All right. Yes, and a, yes. it was a singles it's, it's match. The best way to win. <laughs> That's the only way to win back then. Okay, that's the only way we do it. <laughs> And it was a singles match, obviously. If Von, and then here's the stipulation. If Von Eric won, then Garvin and Sunshine would would be his valets for a day. So That's awesome. Yes. So basically, David Arvanek had Jimmy Garvin. I remember this too. He had him like uh, serve him drinks, uh, have him like prepare, prepare meals and everything. So it was definitely pretty fun. I'll see if I could find a clip of that and post it on the YouTube channel of uh, David Arvanek. Uh, having Jimmy Garvin and um, Sunshine be uh, David Ron Eric's uh, valets. Very, very funny stuff. Uh, next match we have is two big boys. We have two meaty men slapping meat. We have Giant Baba, the champion. He defeated King Kong Bundy, brother. And this is a singles match for the PWF World Heavyweight Championship. It only lasted like five minutes and 24 seconds. But, you know, big, big two big guys going at it. Beating them up, not too bad. Yeah. So we have that was the All Japan Championship, I guess. Uh, yeah, the P. Yep, the P. Yep. Yeah. 
And then we have another match. This is the two back-to-back -back main events. Okay. We have Harley Race, the champion. The NWA World Heavyweight Champion. What a great heavyweight champion. We've talked about him before on the show. He mm -hmm. defeated Kevin Von Erich by the deadly disqualification. <laughs> After 13 minutes and 22 seconds. But you can tell that match is definitely pretty good. You know, every time Harley Race... Harley Race is basically... For all my younger wrestling fans out there, he would be like a Triple H. He'd be like very, you know, very calculated in the ring. You know, very, uh, basically Triple H, I copied a lot of stuff from Harley Race, I would say. Because, you know, Harley Race is like a, like a champion. Like he's like a very calculated champion, very good promo. So definitely one of the best of all time. Oh, yeah. The King Harley Race. Oh, yeah. And in I have the, an autograph. I have sorry. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. I have a Harley Race autograph. It's one of my prized possessions, actually. Nice. Can't beat that, man. I got a couple wrestlers autographs, but I think the oldest wrestler autograph I have is probably Ric Flair. So that's pretty cool. Um, and then in the main event, Allison, when we are be um, getting out of Canada and flying back to the home state of Texas, brother, my home state at least, we'd be seeing. Carrie Von Erich and Bruiser Brody. And they would face off against the fabulous Freebirds, Michael Hayes and Terry Gordy. And our boys, Carrie Von Erich and Bruiser Brody, defeated the fabulous Freebirds for the WCCW American Tag Team Championship. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm as soon as the show is over, I'm going to go look that up on YouTube because most of the Star Wars are on it. Yeah. So I'm going to try and find that. But that sounds like it would be amazing. Yes, and this Star Wars, they took place in my hometown, Dallas, Texas, at the Reunion Arena. So last one we talked about happened in Houston, but this one was at the Reunion Arena. Attendance was 21,000. So definitely a hot show to be in. And what a great show. You know, there's a lot more matches I didn't go over. But, you know, everybody, like like Allison said, you know, go check it out. See if the Peacock has this match. I definitely would check it out because, like, they jammed the people in these arenas. This crowd was always pretty hot at these Texas yeah. shows. And these wrestlers were always great. And I would say just everything. The whole production of WCCW is very underrated, in my opinion, because... I mean, it wasn't the most, like, lights flashy thing, but, man, they, like, you had theme music for a lot of these people, which wasn't done. Like, a lot of rock and roll. Like, the the, the Von Erics, man, they just came to the crowd. Like, kind of how Moxie does it nowadays. Like, they, they come to the crowd. They get the crowd going. I mean, it's yeah. just like a party atmosphere with this group. So, definitely, like I said before on the other show, you know, there's a lot of documents about WCCW. Recommend you guys checking it out. Uh, but, like I said, if we were, you know, driving in the Trans Am, we would definitely be stopping by this show because that would be definitely fun. All right. So I think we should move on. What are we going to be listening to on our stay at the Bates Motel? And boy, do I got a couple of doozies over here. <laughs> so there's one uh, part on the music, Allison, that shocked me. Now, I'm not sure. I think you probably know this because we talked about it before. That you actually know a little bit, you know, you you know a little bit more about this '80s music than I do. You know, I'm kind of like the the newbie when it comes to some of these '80s music, but I like doing a lot of my research and stuff. Mm -hmm. But during this particular time, month of June, we had about four albums drop, uh, all four very uh, different style bands, but all very fun. 
So the first one I want to talk to is these two. I, I'm familiar with them. We haven't really talked to them about uh, on the show before. Um, it's going to be one that dropped on June 27th. It's going to be the band Twisted Sister. All right. And they dropped their album, <clears throat> You Can't Stop Rock and Roll. Now, Allison, were you ever a big fan of uh, Twisted Sister? Not really. I, I just, I'm, I'm just not a huge fan. Um, I mean, I, I like, I think D. Snyder's a cool dude, but I'm just, I was just never a big fan of Twisted Sister yes. for whatever reason. I can uh, agree with that as well because for some reason, I think it was like a couple months ago. <clears throat> for some reason, I like woke up one day and I watched like a YouTube video about the history of Twisted Sister. And it was pretty interesting and everything, you know, with their backstory. But I was listening to her stuff and I was like the same. Like, I mean, there's, I just wouldn't have been into it either. So I think we might have, I think we might have skipped that album at that particular Yeah, we'd have saved our money and not bought that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sure. We, ain't, we, ain't, we ain't spending the coin on that one. All right. Another one that came out, it didn't really give me a release date, but it said it came out in June of that year. I'm pretty sure it was their first um, album release. That's probably why. Is that brand called Satan. It's the court, mm-hmm. uh, court in the act. Have you ever heard of Satan before? The, the, I've heard of them. Yeah. I've heard of them. Aren't they a, like a? Weren't they like an influence on Slayer? Maybe. Um, yeah. This is kind of just pulling from the back of my mind somewhere. But yeah, I mean, they're. I haven't really listened to them much, but they're like a. They're like one of those cult kind of underground bands that. You know, they, they were kind of forgotten, but some people still really like them or that are really into them. Kind of like Pentagram is like an underground yep. or like a forgotten band that people don't think about anymore. Yeah. So basically, but anyway, yeah, this band would be like, okay, we're going to go see like a pretty good thrash show. You know, we got a lot of, you know, maybe like a Slayer playing or, you know, we got some, you know, they're kind of like thrash band playing. This would be like a good like opening act, you know, for the right. for those bands. So. You know, they might have not got on the, the level of Slayer opening up for them. They might have done it before. I'm not sure. I haven't looked at my whole list. But they, they that's kind of how the band sounds. Like, they're not great, but they're not bad. Like, you could definitely pop in this this track in your in your, in your car and play it a little bit. You could, you'd be like, okay, I could see it. This is pretty good. It's pretty good stuff. You know what I mean? I don't think they did too many albums, but when I was listening to it yesterday, I was like, okay, this is pretty good. You know, they have the, you know, the riffs, the fast guitar riffs. They had the, uh, the singing with the uh, mm. <laughs> the singing of the era, <laughs> I I can't explain of the era. What you know when they they they, they like they do the operatic singing where they where they yeah you know what I'm talking about. They have a little bit of that yeah. going on. Yeah, so, I mean even Slayer kind of did that in some of their music. Yeah. yeah, which I was like I was watching a couple um shows about you know a couple concerts of Slayer and stuff, and I was like oh, okay yeah they did that too. I guess it was just a thing they did during that time. But the next album we have in our four-packed album is this this album actually got released the day after the Psycho 2 was released. June 4th, 1983, we have the mighty Motorhead and they released their album Another Perfect Day. Do you remember this oh, album? Yeah. Another Perfect yeah, Day? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I, I used to, I don't think I have it anymore, but I used to have a copy of this. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, good, it's a good Motorhead album. Pretty much everything Motorhead did during this period was good, though. Yeah. Um yeah, this is this is a really really good album. So, when I was doing my research on this album, apparently this was the album that their former guitarist Fast Eddie uh left and they hired mm-hmm. Brian Robertson of Thin Lizzy. Exactly. I was going to bring that up. It, bring, it, yeah. it makes our Thin Lizzy connection from a couple of weeks ago. Exactly. 
So, and we talked about Thin Lizzy um, a couple episodes back on the Motel Hell. And they're a pretty good band. Like, we were talking about them, you know, being yeah. very underrated for their time. And it's very interesting that that the guitarist would go to a little bit more of a heavier rock style band. But, you know, that does happen. So I thought that was very, very interesting. Um, do you have any more words on the Motorhead album that you want to bring up before I get into this shocking reveal for myself? Maybe not for others, but for, at least for myself. Your shocking reveal. Um, no, I would say it. I mean, Another Perfect Day is a good album, but it's not one of those albums that really has hits on it. Like, you know, it it, it probably doesn't have like, um, uh, you know, it's a good album, but it's one of those. It just doesn't have like, you know, it's it's probably not. It doesn't probably have any songs from the top 10 of Motorhead classics, but it's a really, really good album. Um, you know, it has Die You ba- Bastard and Rocket and some songs that are really good on it. I, re- I, I, I like it. I, I, I recommend it. Buy Another Perfect Day from Motorhead. Get it, everybody. It's also on Apple Music, too. But, you know, yeah, we you like to stream it, I guess. But we like to buy, um, we like to buy uh, uh, albums over here. You know, actually bringing back a couple of those <laughs> um, cassette tapes. I see a lot happen now with different bands. I was like, who has a cassette yeah. tape now nowadays? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, like who has who has a who has a tape deck anymore? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's like a that's like a new hipster thing. Is like they're all buying cassettes now. Yep. Or printing their shit on cassettes. So here is the shocking reveal. So as anybody's listened to, I even said it on this show. I have lived pretty much in Texas my whole life until I moved down here to North Kakalagi. Alright? And I did not know this the whole time I lived there. Okay? And when I was reading about this, I was like, I was pretty shocked. Because I, you know, I knew about this band. And being from Texas, I wasn't, I, I knew about them. I got to meet somebody in the band before. I knew they were big around Texas area. Um, you know, a lot of people love them. I mean, obviously one of the greatest bands of all time, one of the greatest bands of all time, but this particular history about them, I just had no idea. And it shocked me. And the band I'm talking about has to be a Pantera story. Yes. It's a Pantera story. Okay. (laughs) So Pantera released their album metal magic around June, June 10th, 1983. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I was like, I was like, first of all, I was like, okay, Pantera, 80, first of all, I always thought Pantera was like some sort of like 90s band, you know what I mean? Like maybe the earliest of 90s, but I had oh. no idea they had, did anything in the 80s. And then, okay, hold on. I'm doing my fucking research. And I'm <laughs> like, wait, there's more. I was like, there's more. I was like, okay, fucking Pantera. I was like, okay, you know, because Pantera, like their their music is very like, I to me, when I listen to them, they, they look like they influence a lot of those those new metal bands like Mudvayne and you know stuff like that. To me, they they influence a lot of those type of bands. Definitely, was, yeah. And I was thinking like, man, like I don't think that music was around in the eighties. And I fucking popped this thing in. I had well, no idea that Pantera was a fucking glam band. What the fuck were, did yeah. this come from? I, my mind was blown. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, you have no idea. Like, So when I lived in Texas, you know, I knew about Pantera a lot because my friends would tell me and stuff. And I got to meet uh, for a second Vinnie Paul. I actually met him at mm-hmm. a King Diamond concert. You know what I mean? So I knew mm-hmm. the, the backstory of Pantera. But like when I listened to Pantera, they were like, you know, like a... These guys are crazy, man. They're just like fighting music at a bar or something. You know what I mean? Like this guy, these, these guys would go crazy. Like we had to walk, you know, 
get the like smashing you guys were pissed off on stage and stuff just like that hard rock like you know beat somebody up metal next thing i know mm-hmm. i listen to this fucking cd and it's like some sort of glant man just like going all crazy i was like what is going on over here did you know this allison did you know that pantera was a glam band i did i didn't know this but i but i found out years later so you know I, like with me just like everybody else in the world i'm sure unless you were from dallas during this time i guess you you learned about pantera from uh cowboys from hell which is their first album yeah um and then you know and then all the other great albums they made after that um and you know dimebag daryl's one of the greatest metal guitarists of all time there's no doubt about that i don't know how anybody could even challenge that but yeah i mean when they got started in the 80s they've been playing a long time like i mean they were even playing even before this like this is the first album they released but they had been playing lo- a long time before this um trying to make it and you know they were glam glam metal was like the big thing then so that's what they were doing but yeah it's it's shocking the difference is shocking between the three glam metal records they made and then cowboys from hell obviously they never played into glam metal stuff later on yeah (laughs) yeah because i I, like i said i didn't even know at all like so the the album for metal magic basically has like this like wolf demon guy on it (laughs) He actually looks like yes. a like a wrestler, almost like an '80s wrestler <laughs> wolf guy with a sword. Yeah, on that him. art's terrible. That art is awful. <laughs> and I, I mean, lis- it looks like it was drawn by like a ten year old. <laughs> I know. And I listen to them. It's like, you know, like I don't. We talked about this before and others. So I don't mind the glam bands. I like the. Uh, I like some glam bands. I think they're pretty good. Some of them are. It just it just blew my mind because like Pantera, like what a shift. I mean, you go from like these like you know like. The hair, the, the the fucking stylish and shit, you know, doing the little opera singing, whatever they want to, like, just fucking hardcore, like, in-your-face music. Like, wow, what a shift. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like... Well, it's, it should be noted, too, they had a different singer then. They didn't have Phil Anselmo singing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they had a different singer who was more in that glam Style. sound. And they... Yeah, so I would describe them as kind of sounding a little bit like Van Halen. Okay, yeah. As weird as that. I mean, that's... I mean, I haven't heard... um that stuff in a long time because i try not to listen to it but um i would say that back then they 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 was like pantera playing in the style of like van halen which is just weird to think about yeah so but definitely a fun uh album to to check out maybe i'll play a song from it at the end of the show (laughs) see which one i can find Yeah, that's the me best so much. thing we can think of to do that. And this, and this How did album, you hear that? Was it on YouTube, I guess? No, no. So basically, yeah, yeah, it was on YouTube. The album was. So okay. I tried to find it on like Apple Music. They didn't even have it. Like they, it's like yeah, no, they just stripped no. that from the record. I had to go on fucking YouTube yeah. to find this thing. Yeah, you, you They buried that shit. They they don't want anybody to know that stuff happened. <laughs> and I don't blame them. Yeah, that'd be funny if they did pop out one of the songs one day just for fun. But the album I said was dropped June 10th, so about seven days after the release of the Bates or for the Psycho 2. I always call it Bates Motel. But Bates Motel was just the hotel name of the movie within Psycho. So, Mm. but yeah, very fun fact. So we we got some good we got some good wrestling on this on this tour. We got some good um, albums to be played while we're we're doing our stay at the Bates Motel. Maybe we can get Norman to you know loosen up a little bit. You know. You know, we can maybe see if we can, you know, if we, if we can get the distractions off him. We'll, we'll see what mm-hmm. happens. But um, are you ready? Oh, actually, before we're ready, I promise before the audience, I always forgot. I almost forgot. 
I did promise the audience that I would talk about a haunted hotel uh, story every episode. So I've already told you oh, about yeah, two already. About that yes. So I got a quick one. So like I said, lived in Dallas before, and I t- I only been to San Antonio about three times. And one time I went to San Antonio, uh, me and um, a girl I was dating at the time, we decided to stay at a particular haunted hotel, the St. Anthony Hotel, related uh, um, located within downtown San Antonio. Because we heard through the research and stuff that a lot of times people would report that ghosts would follow you down the halls, or there'd be like some like weird noises in the men's locker room, which, uh, well, you know, that could be anything. <laughs> and then, there, <laughs> because there apparently was a mystery, a mystery death that happened here in 1965 that put this map, uh, that put this hotel on the map for paranormal activity. So when we were going down there, it was, I think this is my first trip when I went to San Antonio. I was all excited. We were on the river walk. We were like hanging out. We we're doing all this stuff. And then we get back to the hotel. And I'm like, okay, we're going to wait up until midnight. Then we're going to walk around the hall to see if we can find any of these ghosts following us and stuff. And I was so ready to go. I had a couple beers in me. And what happened? I just passed out. Sorry. I was about to say, there's nothing nothing that's better for uh, ghost hunting and doing paranormal investigations than lots of beer. Yeah. So I was just drinking. I was like, you know, we, we went out to drink a little bit on the town. We did some of that. So in San Antonio, that they had the boardwalk, and then you can go on that little, um, kind of like a little ferry, I guess, and you go all the way there. Out there, it's really fun, you know, to do mm-hmm. San Antonio stuff. They actually have some good attractions over there. But now I was just drinking everything, having a good time. Next to me, to go back to the hotel, I'm having some more drinks and everything. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're gonna stay up everything. We watch a little bit of movie. Next thing I know, next morning, I was like, oh shit. Yep. Well, I mean, that's what I would do. Isn't it? Is San Antonio, is that where the Alamo is? Yes, which I have visited a yes. couple of times as well. So Yeah, so we could go drink all those shiners, those great shiner beers from Texas, and go visit the Alamo, and you get tuckered out, man. You get tired. Yes. Now, you know, I didn't have any... stay up for ghosts. Yeah, no. Yeah, sorry, ghosts. I'm too busy drinking, brother. All right? I'm too busy listening to this hair uh, Panther- Pantera exactly. uh, glory days. Okay? I can't exactly. be paying attention to these ghosts. But, uh, yeah, so that's one story. Not a super fun one, but hey, you know, I did stay at a haunted hotel in San Antonio, so there you go. That counts. It's kind of like our boy um, Warren. You know what I mean? Like, he just wants to have a party hotel. That's all he wanted. Right. But we'll get into it. Yeah, well, we'll get into that. All right, everybody. We're ready. We're ready to enter into the base motel. We're going to be staying at room four. I think it was room four. And then we're going to be exploring all about this movie. So everybody, let's get into Psycho 2. I have a petition here signed by 743 people against Norman Bates' release. Madam, please sit down. This matter is being represented by the district attorney. Norman was not convicted of murder. He was found not guilty by reason of insanity. Don't you realize they're going to release a homicidal well, maniac? I ask you to sit down, Mrs. Loomis. It's all too obvious. Our courts protect the criminals, not their victims. Bates is judged, restored to sanity, and is ordered released forthwith. It's 22 years later, and Norman Bates is coming home. I own a motel not too far from here, and you'd be welcome to spend the night in one of the empty rooms if you'd like. 
Good night, Mary. And he's back in business. Who is this? My mother is dead. I'm telling you, there was a note on that wheel from my dead mother. Norman, it couldn't be your mother. It had to be someone else. I trust her. She would never do anything to hurt me. No. She'll kill you. I know she will. No, I... I won't do that. You can't make me... kill her. 22 years later, Norman Bates is home. All right, buddy. We have arrived. It's the Bates Motel. And the first scene we see in Psycho 2 is the famous shower scene from the first movie. Yeah, from Psycho. From Psycho. We have the the lady in the shower. Do you remember her name? Uh, Vivian Lee. Yes. The actress is Vivian, Vivian Lee. Jamie Lee Curtis's mom. Exactly. Very fun little Easter egg there. Um, she is in the shower. She's having a good time in the shower too. Like... <laughs> I wish I could have showers like that. Like she was having a great time in the shower. Then I mean, course, you, you just have to do it. It's true. You got to take time for you. It is. It seemed like the shower was really big too. Like a big, like a big shower. Not like some small thing. Yeah. So of course we get. They look gigantic. Yeah. <laughs> so then we can see, open it up, knife scene, and of course you know this is during the era where we didn't see a lot of like knife going into skin, a lot of blood. But it still had a lot of good effect on it. I mean, you know, you know, like this scene like freaked out a shit ton of audiences, you know, during that particular yes, era. This, this entire movie scared people. Yes. I mean, it freaked people out. Yeah. So we just seen like, you know, we don't see a lot of blood. There's not a whole lot of blood. We, and even if there was blood, we wouldn't see anything because it's all in black and white. You know, mm-hmm. but very, very, very famous scene. We get to it. You know, we see like the whole, pretty much the whole scene with her getting stabbed and slowly dying and then we cut to a scene now we're in the county of kern at an administration and court building and we hear a judge saying norman bates is free he's restored to sanity so right off the bat we're seeing that norman bates is restored to sanity because wasn't it in psycho like one didn't he get arrested at the end yeah he yeah i've seen psycho a lot it's one of my favorite movies so uh, yeah Psycho, at the end of Psycho, they discover that, you know, that um, Norman had kept, had kind of taxidermied the the body of his mom, and he'd kept it in the hotel for years, and, um, you know, obviously he would dress up as, as, as his mother and kill people that came into the, to the motel sometimes, and they decided that he was... Uh, criminally insane and they were going to put him in a mental institution um and basically the whole mother personality had taken over so he was like the mother personality full uh, full time by the end of the first of psycho yes but now he's restored to health yes because it is now 
22 years later. And actually, yes. it's pretty interesting because I'm pretty sure that they actually um, had the release date of both the films very similar to each other. Like in the same time of the year? Yeah, the same time of the year. So let me yeah. check really quick just to make sure. Well, mm, not really. That sounds about right. Well, yeah. Um, September 8th, 1960 is when Psycho came out. This one was on June. So, I mean, it's definitely yeah, 22. Really. Actually, hold on. Let me see. Yeah, no, hold on. This one says. Movie release dates back then were not as hard and fast oh, as they are now. Like here, here, Sometimes here. It, you would get a movie later yes, than here, other people. Here's where it was. So, Psycho 1 was released June 16th, 1960 in New York City only. It wasn't okay. until the whole U.S. had it in September 8th, 1960. So that's probably why it had two different release dates. But yeah, I mean, like, look, that's pretty That's pretty close. You know, June 3rd, 1983, June 16th, 1960. There you go. Pretty yeah. close together. So, and it's it's very interesting when we're going to be talking about this movie. I just want to, um, before we get into, like, the, the breakdown of everything, um, the way they shot this movie was very good. Like, it's very... It's very, um, I would say, it's very old school style, the way they shot it, even though it's in the 80s when they had like a little bit, you know, a little bit newer style production. But the way they had the characters look and feel is like very like, they're trying to like do a very um, Hitchcock-esque type of characters in this film. So I think they did really good about uh, bringing that like style camera and the way they presented their actors in this film. Yeah, for sure. The guy that directed this was, I can't think of his name at the top of my head, but he was a, uh, he was a, um, uh, a student of Hitchcock. Like he was really influenced by Hitchcock. He made this really good movie called uh, Road Games, I think is what it's called, that we'll probably do sometime on this show. Um, that's of a similar vein. And that's why he was picked to make this movie. But yeah, I thought so too. I thought it was a really good, I hadn't seen this in a long time, but I thought it looked like I could watch Psycho and then watch this immediately after and it would feel like a sequel. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, it's similar. It's, it has a similar feel. And the reason I was saying it is because a lot of times when we see sequels or we see remakes, they're like they're like remakes to be in this era's acting. They're like, you know, they're like to, to be like this era shot. The way the people talk is to be like in this era. I thought Psycho 2 was really good. Even though it was done in the 80s, I thought they had a lot of like older school old school shots and way they presented the actors like when you mm -hmm. see like anthony perkins be um norman bates like he's very like they, it, it seems like the acting they talk about their feelings they talk about what's going on compared to like you know holding some stuff in or the way you see that the carrie mary you know a lot of times we'll see her with like the brighter face that they used to do you know those kind of shots like that so i thought that was very interesting with this movie that they did that and then they, the director was richard franklin yeah, it's Richard saying. Franklin, yes. Yes. So, like we were saying, Norman Bates, he's he's free of being insane. He's restored to sanity now. All right. And then mm -hmm. we have this old lady, she's like, Well, well, why can't you restore all the victims? And then she goes on, and we find out that this lady, her name is Lily Loomis. Yes. Okay. And another interesting fact <clears throat> over here, the name Loomis is like literally in like a ton of horror movies. It's crazy to think about. You know, obviously we have Dr. Loomis from Halloween. Now mm -hmm. we have Lily Loomis in Psycho. And uh, we have Loomis is the last name of the killer in Scream. 
yeah billy loomis so there's just like a shit ton of loomises out there what more loomises can we find in horror book i guess we'll see when we do this show i guess so i mean that's a pretty cool name though i think it's a very horror movie-esque name it sounds kind of crazy and i mean i don't know if it sounds crazy because dr loomis from halloween was just crazy but yeah um but yeah it just it just seems like a like a crazy like a crazy person's name <clears throat> Exactly. Any anyone anyone I meet named Loomis, I'm immediately like, you just stand stay over there. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're up to you're up to something. <laughs> <laughs> so she goes on saying like, hey, I had all these people sign this petition to keep Norman back in you know in jail in the, the psych ward, and then and then the court goes on like those those petitions don't have any hold up over here, and then mm-hmm. um, she goes like, okay, I see how this court system is. We protect criminals, but we don't protect their victims. And then the lawyer ends up congratulating because they're also saying like, hey, you know, get this lady out of here. You know, don't be disturbing the courtroom. Anything you can bring up, you got to bring up to the district attorney. Mm-hmm. So we had the lawyer. He's congratulating Norman for being free. They walk out. We see the Miss Loomis who's on the phone. like, they let him go. See, I told you they're going to let him go. And then she goes up to Laura's like, how does it feel to have a murderer walk out for free? And Laura says, you know. With all you know, with all due respect, he passed all his tests to be out here and, and land. She's like, "Well, you're gonna be filled with sorry. It's gonna be up to you when he starts killing again." So after this, we have Norman. He is now home, and it is something. Like, okay, so this guy was locked up for like about 22 years. Okay, yeah. He is now. He obviously had a lot of big doctor treatment with him to suppress his memories about his mom and what he did. But it is kind of interesting. They're like, okay. You're home. Here, we're going to bring you back where you went insane. Uh, we're going to bring you back to this crazy hotel that you killed a bunch of people at. Here, just just go in there. We don't have anywhere else for you to go. So we're going to want you to go here. And we, you're good now. Like, we know you're good. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? well, I mean, that's how things are a lot of times. Yeah. I mean, you know, they don't, especially like in the United States, we don't really have provisions for the people like that. I mean, you know, like, like not in, like, you know, like in the prison system, like, not to get like on a soapbox or anything about this, but like in the prison system, like if you commit a crime and you go to jail for 40 years, then when 40 years comes up, they just open the door and let you out. And you're supposed to build some kind of life after having been in prison for 40 years. So, you know, Norman had probably had nowhere else to go. He had to go back to his house. Um, Now I'm curious though. One thing I'm curious about is how the taxes were paid on this house over 22 years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he had to pay taxes on it and there's no been no upkeep in 22 years. So like how I don't I'm not sure how he still owns it, but I guess he does. Somehow he still owns it. Yeah. Um, so you ba- know, maybe there was enough money in an account that would pay it every year or something, but I think that I mean, you know, yeah, that's it's kind of weird. Really weird. Yeah, right? there's a, there's another weird thing too. So basically when Norman's at home he's looking around, he sees a car out there and the guy's like, Oh, this mm-hmm. is uh Toomey's car. So we have Warren Toomey. Warren Toomey is basically the new manager of the hotel. He's been oh, managing yeah, I forgot it. about that guy. Yeah. He's been mm-hmm. man how could you forget about our boy Toomey? <laughs> well, this guy had some lines on him, we'll be saying pretty soon, okay? So he's been yeah. basically managing the hotel. I'm not sure if he's been managing it for 22 years but he's been managing at least for 10 years okay at least for 10 years yeah so the norman says hey i see somebody in the window there's nobody in the window um and then uh, norman says you know i haven't been here in about like 10 years and i'm very nervous being back in the house and then the the doc is basically saying like so we had this doctor he has his name is dr uh raymond all right 
he is going on saying like, you know, are you sure you want to be back here? Do you sure you want us to put you up in a house? I know there could be a lot of memories over here that can kind of mess you up, but I know you know how to deal with those now. Are you sure you want to be here? And Norman's like, yeah, 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 I'll be here. No problem. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. It's all good. It's all it's good a, now. It's, we're, and then, we're all fine here. Yeah, and then the doc's saying like, listen, man, I'm sorry that I can't have like um, uh, a nurse check up on you every month. Um, it's just not in the budget right now. And then Norma's like, well, at least I got you to be around. So we know that the doctor is going to be being around. Mm-hmm. Um, this is when Norman, he's looking around the house, goes upstairs. Um, they're saying stuff. They got the phones working now, which the phones would be a big, <laughs> very big part of this movie. Mm-hmm. And then the, and then the, uh, the doctor's also saying like, hey, you know, don't be late. We got you a job. And then we have, and then Norman, he's going to be, uh, working at a diner now so we have norman he yep. is now at this diner so he has gone from uh living at a hotel managing a hotel in San asylum to now diner okay so we have norman he walks through the door this lady didn't know who norman was and then he says hey i'm norman bates i'm here to be the chef's uh helper so we meet this uh older waitress named emma and she was saying to Norman, like, hey, I'm the one that recommended you to work here. You know, I always believe we give people a second chance. It's a very Christian thing for me to do. Hey, Ralph, he's the uh, he's the main cook. He's the leader. He's in there. Go go meet with him. So Norman goes in there, meets with Ralph a little bit. We hear this girl in the background talking to her boyfriend. And that character's name is Maggie. And she is talking to her boyfriend. They're having a big fight. And Ralph's saying, like, oh, you're the new guy. And then they go on and they talk a little bit. And then eventually they go outside and then uh, Maggie and Norman, they both spill a pie with a knife on them, with a knife in it. And then Norman takes the blame for it. And so we're building a relationship between Norman and uh, Maggie over here. And her name, Mary? Mary, my bad. Let's say Maggie. Yeah, Yeah. Mary. Mary. We are building a relationship between Norman and Mary. So another thing we do is we also hear when Norman's up in his room. Uh, he's, he's actually near the mother's room. We hear a voice saying, Norman, what did you put in my tea? What happened? Well, you know what happens to bad little boys who, who punish their mother. I'm going to mm-hmm. kill you. And then we see young Norman's face in the door. And then, so we're starting to see that Norman now has like, you know, he is, uh, he's still experiencing some trauma from his, uh, younger youth days. Yeah, this is just a memory, though, right? Yeah, just a memory, and it, yeah, yeah cause and like, this is—I think this is new information too. Um, I don't remember this from Psycho that he that he poisoned his mom. Yeah, so the the thing is, the way the mom died is because she was being crazy, and Norman po- poisoned yeah. her tea, and that's why she eventually uh, died from the poisoning of the tea. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Because I think in the first movie they just mentioned that she died and they didn't say how, mm-hmm. and that he was like upset, like not obsessed with her, but like she was like his whole world. And then when he died, he, when she died, he didn't really know what to do. Yeah, and then at the at the uh, diner we see Norman. He starts to get acclimated with his job. So we have mm-hmm. Mary on the phone with her boyfriend again, and basically Mary's boyfriend has broken up with her in a way. Uh, he yeah. just won't let her come home because they were living together. And then she says all this stuff to Norman. She's like, hey, I was dating this guy. I only knew him for a year. I was living with him. Um, he won't let me back home. Um, 
And then Norma's like, oh, you know, you got any family around here? And she's like, no, my family actually lives um, in Portland. Um, I do got a couple of friends here and stuff. And Norma's like, well, you know, you, I got a big hotel. You can just stay at my hotel. And at first she's like a little weary of it. She's like, I don't want to intrude in everything. And Norma's just been like, you're not going to be intruding. You can stay at my hotel, you know, anytime. We can just go over there, you know, and then it'd be like, I got a couple rooms open for you. And she's like, and then she's, you know, kind of like leery of him a little bit. We can see. Right. But he eventually convinces her because it's about to rain. Okay. Um, and then after this, and then he's also like, you can also stay there FOD. And she's like, FOD? He's like, yes, free of charge. <laughs> <laughs> okay but some of the lines on this was uh you know this okay so this movie had very heavily dialogue all right yeah like they have dialogue heavy very very dialogue heavy like and they just break down everything in this movie so i took a lot of notes but i'm not going to cover like everything they're saying but i'm gonna get all the good points out there for sure so they eventually make it to the hotel and it starts raining um so Okay, so we so they're talking about they're in the, they're in the um, they're in the uh, shop like the, not the shop they're in the uh, the office, and Norman's trying to go find him like a right key to get, and then he eventually I think he grabs number four and he starts looking all weird, but we keep hearing like this noise in the background like these people like having a good time in the background, and then before um, she can uh, you know wants to go to the room, Norman's like, hey, let me check these rooms, make sure the linens are all fresh. And she looks at uh, him, but I was like, oh, it's not okay. And then um, Mormon goes out. And then we this guy shows up. It's the manager. And his name is Warren. Warren Tully. He comes up and he scares a little bit. He's walking around the office. He's like, hey, you know, don't, don't, you know, don't mind me. I'm the manager. Sorry to scare you. Do you need a room? And she's like, no, no, it's okay. Norman got me. He's like, Norman? Oh, you're, one, you're with Norman, huh? And he's like, that's when he introduces himself. He's like, I'm the manager. And then Norman, <laughs> so this is when Norman comes in. And then Warren's like, hey, you know, my name is Warren. Nice to meet you, Norman. And Norman's like, Mary, I think you should go up to the house. There's a door open there. It should be okay. And she's like, why? What happened to the room? He's like, don't worry about it, Mary. Just just go up to the house. And she's like, why? Just do what I say, Mary. I was like, oh, shit, okay. This guy's starting it off. <laughs> so this is when we get the whole... Norman's like, hey, you know, uh, what kind of hotel are you running over here? He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, I found a bunch of drugs in this room. He's like, yeah, so people like to come here and have a good time. They like the party, you know? He's like, well, what kind of hotel are you running over here? He's like, a hotel that makes money, you know? Like, this is what the hotel has become. Like, come people come here, they have a good time, they stay for a night, they leave. Hell, I even caught some kids shocking up in the house in the cellar. All right. Mm-hmm. So this is when, uh, he, and then Marm's like, listen, I'm not going to have this hotel run like this. You are fired now. And the guy's like, oh, you're going to fire me? You can't fire me. The, the, uh, he said like the hospital is the one who set him up at this job. So apparently the hospital was paying the bills or something. Okay. During this whole- yeah. So or at least yeah. hiring somebody to manage it. So there was, pro- yeah. maybe there was money in like some kind of like escrow account or something or trust fund that would. Yeah. that would pay for the for the taxes um and then they hired this guy to me to to run it yeah uh, who's played by dennis franz by the way dennis franz one of my favorite actors oh yeah he had a lot of good actors in this movie and actresses mm. robert logia Logie is in it um yeah so um so norman's like the hospital don't own this land 
I own this land. So what I say goes, you're fired and you got to bleed by the morning and no more renting rooms to guests tonight. It's like, okay. Let's see, let's see. And then he comes up to the house. Oh, so when he, when Norman's walking up to the house, Warren's like, listen, you fucking loony. At least, uh, <laughs> he says a lot. Listen, you loony. At least my, when my guests stay here, they're just having a good time. When they stay here with you, you kill them. So you could tell like there's some tension going on with Norman being in this town, especially with this guy. So it doesn't, he doesn't, uh, we got a serious some tension between these guys already. So Norman comes up there and meets Mary. Mary's like, what's all that screaming about? It's like, oh, me and the manager just had an our argument. So Norman now is making some food. And then uh, Mary's like, hey, I just need to do a phone call. And he's like, okay, yeah, go ahead. So more, you know, Mary's talking with Scott again. She's like apologizing to him and stuff and said like what I did wrong and stuff. Um... She's and then after she's done, she's like, "Oh, I know why I can't go home. He apparently he just got somebody new and they just moved in. That's why I can't go home." All right, and then Norman, you know, makes her a sandwich and stuff. And then during this, when Norman's doing it, he sees a butcher knife in the kitchen. And he's like, "Oh shit, I gotta put that thing back because it starts to trigger him a little bit." And then mm-hmm. when he eventually <laughs> makes uh, Mary a sandwich, she's like, "Don't you have like a knife to cut this thing?" And he's like, "Well, I just don't have any uh, cutlery anywhere. You know, I've been here for a while." And she just like looks around the first drawer she gets. She gets a knife and puts it in his hand. He's like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> <laughs> and then she looks at him like, "Is everything okay, man?" He's like, "Uh, uh I lost my appetite." <laughs> and he cuts the fucking sandwich. And then she's like worried about. It. She's like, "Oh fuck! I just gave this fucking psycho a knife." She's like, "I think I lost my appetite too." <laughs> so we're seeing a lot of tension. Um, between here okay so <clears throat> after uh mary loses her appetite she's like okay can i use your phone again Norman said who are you gonna call it's a friend to stay with he said uh let's see it's like hey i got an extra room for you upstairs no problem she said um and she's like i he's basically saying like okay you know, why do you really not want to stay here you know what i mean like is it because of me <clears throat> and she's like yeah i heard a story from the diner that you were locked up and Norman explains all I did was poison my mom because she went insane. He didn't exactly say it like that, but that's basically <laughs> what he was saying, okay? That's basically what he said, yeah. Like he was basically saying, listen, like what happened was my mom was crazy, so I poisoned her, and then, you know, shit happens, I guess. But that's, I was about to say, but that's also not all he did. No, exactly. But <laughs> that's what he's like claiming, okay? <laughs> right. And then he's basically saying to Mary, like, listen, you know, I really like you to stay here. I haven't been here for a long time, so I'm a little nervous in this house. Can you please just stay the night with me? And it'll make me feel a lot better. Please. Mm. And then uh, there's a whole lot of back and forth, like, very concerning in this stuff. So eventually, Mary does stay, okay? And Norman, basically, because he said, please. Uh-huh. Right. All right. So it's the magic word. Yeah, that's magic word. So they're going up to the the room, and then Mary wants to walk into the where the mom's room's at. But then Norman's like, "Hey, I, don't go to this room. Go to this room down the hall." And she's like, "Well, what's wrong with this room?" And she's like, "This is like where my mom used to stay." And and she's like, "Oh, is this where a lot of the bad memories were?" He's like, "Yeah." She's like, "Okay, well, you got to face your fear somehow." She just barges into the fucking room. Yeah, she says, "But your mom's dead." Yeah, as as, as she needs to point that out. Again. Yeah, and then she's walking around here. She's like, "Look." You know, no ghost here. We're all good. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what exactly happened in here that scares you? And he says, like, he's like, let me just show you the room across the hall. She's like, okay. And then, 
So, so now it's time for sleep. Norman says good night. And then we could see Mary, she's reading a book, but she has a, a chair against the door. So she doesn't really trust being there. Which I wouldn't either, because Norman, like, he's like a nice guy, but he definitely has some, like, weird uh, tendencies right now. So. Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, he's been in, you know, in a mental institution for 22 years. Yeah. I mean, he's probably going to have some kind of eccentricities, as you could say. But I really, at this point, I mean, I really feel, I'm really on Norman's side at this point. Like, I really yeah. feel a lot of compassion for Norman. Yeah, because he's trying right now. He's trying to fit in the best he can yeah. for all these circumstances. But as you find out later, some people are not letting him fit in that well. No. So we see Norman at the diner. We have a cab that shows up. Mary's inside the cab. Uh, Norman says, hey, I didn't see you when you went out. You know, She's like, oh, it's cool. Like I, I ran into my roommate, and my roommate says I can uh, move in with her now. And then Norman's like, oh, I thought you were going to be staying up in that room over there. I thought we got that all set up. She's like, no, nah, I don't want to bother you and stuff. I'm like, okay. So then we have that Warren guy shows up, and he has been drinking. All right? Mm-hmm. Shows up in the diner. Yeah, shows up in the diner. And he goes up to Ralph and says, like, hey, uh, <laughs> how's that new help of yours over there? I hope he washes dishes better than he runs a motel. All right? Then he starts to sit down. And then when Warren sits down, he's like, hey, I need some service. I want some. And then the, the Mary comes up. So oh, you need something? He's like, yeah, I want what that Norman got last night. And Mary's like, okay, yeah. here we go. So Mary goes go. up to Norman. And, and then Norman's like, hey, what's up with him over there? He's like, yeah, he's, he's, he smells of booze and everything. And he's just being an asshole. And then another waitress comes up. She's like, hey, Mary, are you going to be taking care of all these customer tables? All you got to do it by myself. And then Mary's like, it's like, I thought I had to worry about the customers being nasty. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, um, the waiter says, uh, okay, let's see. Okay, so then during this whole process, we see a little ticket on the, um, on the door. And it says, don't let that little whore uh, stay at my house, love mother. Yeah, it's on the little thing that he gets his orders off of. Yes. Norman is the cook. He's cooking burgers and stuff. Exactly. So Warren stops Mary with his foot. And he says, like, you like shacking up with psychos? And then eventually Norman reads. No, so <laughs> when she says that, uh, Norman's, you know, he's going through different tickets and everything. And then he go, and then Warren goes, like, to, like, Mary's, like, so how was it? You know, how was it shacking up with sh- psychos? And, uh, and then uh, Mary, Mary's like, now Warren goes to Mary and asks what Norman was like. And then Mary's like, he's like, I'll tell you what he's really like. He's like, better than you ever will be. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Best then, comeback ever. Yes. And then eventually Norman, he reads that note and he flips out. He even like flips out so much that he like bumps into Ralph and Ralph like burns his arm. And he goes out there yeah. and saying, and saying, Warren, what, you know, what the hell's wrong with you, Warren? And then, 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 like, Warren starts to pull up. He's like, you got a problem with me, psycho? You know? And then they see a knife in there. They both look at a knife. He's like, oh, how about you use that knife, psycho? I mean, or do you only cut up women? You don't be cutting up men and stuff. And they're, like, staring about it. And he's just, like, getting them, like, all wild up. And eventually, Norman controls himself. And he goes back inside. And then Warren's like, now is he is a psycho, but he's also a chicken shit as well. So we're seeing, like, this Warren guy. He is just, like pushing buttons over here yep just kind of an asshole yeah 
So eventually Mary calms down Norman. Ralph asks, like, what the hell was I going out there, Norman? What the hell was going on? Norman says, like, this guy who's bothering Mary and he left me a note. Okay, this is my favorite line, one of my favorite lines too. <clears throat> Let me see if I can do my, my best Anthony Perkins at this line. Are you ready? All right. Mm-hmm. All right. He's okay, hold on. <clears throat> I got it. I got it. He's like You got it. He was bothering Mary and then he left me a note on that wheel. It's not bad. That's not pretty bad, good. Huh? Anthony Perkins. Yeah. Yeah. He left me a note on that wheel. It was right there yeah. on the wheel. You didn't see the note, it was on the wheel. <laughs> and they're all like looking <laughs> I don't know, I like that line so much, sorry. I like little accents like that, it's fun. And they're all looking like like they the they all go over there and it's like there's no note over here, Norm. It's like there's a note on the wheel by my mother. And they're all looking at him as crazy and he's just like, fuck it, I'm leaving. He just leaves. <laughs> so so now we are back at the house. And they had a lot of cool mm-hmm. uh, scenes. Like, I really like the set of this movie. Yeah. Like, the house looked cool as shit. The hotel looks creepy as shit. Like, it's a very cool set. So I wonder if it's the same set they used for the original movie. Well, the only thing, I, I think it was. I mean, I have to look it up. I'm pretty sure it was. But uh, apparently where they used the diner scene, that was the this the same diner that they used for uh, Back to the Future. Yeah, because that's on a studio lot. Yeah. Like that. Like it's, Well, so, I mean, this whole movie might have been filmed on the Universal lot because, um, yeah, the uh, that I think they call it court, Courthouse Square or something. It's like a – it's in a bunch of movies, especially in the 80s, but like Back to the yeah. Future Sound was filmed there. Sound 24. Right, soundstage twenty four exactly, but the and as you probably know, I don't know if it's still there, but the Psycho House was on the Universal Studio Tours lot tour for years. Yep, and it was, and I'm pretty sure it was the house they used, although they had moved it. Um, and the inside of that house looks exactly like the 1960 version, like it's exact. I mean, they could have just made it, to, you know, made an inside prop to look exactly like it. But it was exactly like that move, that house. I yep. know they did use some of the props, like the taxidermied birds and um, some of the statu- statuary and things were actually used as props in the original movie. But, but yeah, if they did not use the exact same sets, then they did a great job rebuilding them. Yeah, so basically what I was saying here, the Bates house set was still standing from 1960, but the motel had to be re- reconstructed. So we got that. Okay. Um, so apparently like the, a lot of the lamps, the owl and the raven, the brass hand seen in Bates, Bates room, the bait, the bedroom mm-hmm. fireplace, the Victorian bed in Almar and the 45th, um, town. Okay. The town of Fairview <clears throat> is actually courthouse square, which is probably best known for its appearance in back to the future. So the, yeah. a lot of the, the, the place that we saw, uh, Lily Loomis and the Dr. Raymond, when they were doing their interaction, that was where they mm-hmm. filmed a lot of the uh, back to the future stuff. So. But it was pretty cool that they kept a lot of everything very like very original. So now Norman he gets a visitor. It's Mary. She's back after she can stay. <laughs> and then Norman's like, "Oh, what happened?" She's like, "Well, the problem was I was staying with my friend. My friend has a boyfriend over all night, and you know it's a one bedroom department, so I can't sleep because you know what they were doing, right?" <laughs> and then she's like, mm-hmm. "Now she's like being like very like buttery up to him and stuff." She's like, "She's like, thanks for standing up to me." To that, to that, uh, that Toomey guy said, I, I, I could have killed him. And then Norman says, like, oh, I don't kill people anymore. Okay. 
<laughs> Not that line. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't kill them. they shouldn't they, they need to make a psycho t shirt that has Norman on it that says I don't kill people. Yeah, exactly. That would be great. And then Mary's like, I got some fudge. I was like, okay. Got some fudge from my grandma. And then she asked about <clears throat> the note and stuff. He's like and then Norman's like, Oh, it's just a joke. It's just a practical joke. And then he asked for like, Hey, you want some dinner and stuff? And then she's like, okay, well, I'm going to go take a shower. And then I'm going to go back to bed. And Norman's like looking like, oh, boy, she's going to take a shower. Oh, shit. Is this girl trying to trigger me? Like, come on now. Help me out here, guys. Can't take a shower around Norman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That triggers him. I have questions about this scene, but um, continue on, and I'll ask them when we get there. About her taking a shower? Well, kind of, yeah. I mean, yeah, about she, the scene in general. Yes, Allison. She had just as much fun as the girl from the original. She was having a great time in the shower. Right. I need to start well, she's in the, house, like she's in the house taking a shower, right? Yeah. Not in the motel. No, she's in the house taking a shower. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's that's, that's going to be part of my it, question. But. It's in the room. That's like it's the bathroom is connected to the mom's room where the peephole was at. Mm -hmm. Right. That's my question. Yeah. So anyway, is can you on with the plot, and then I'll I'll we'll talk about that when we get there. All right. So she's taking her shower and everything, loving the shower. Um, Norman walks. It's just, Apparently, it's Norman watching to the peephole, all right? <clears throat> we see her in the bath towel, and then uh, Mary comes downstairs, but then when she comes downstairs, she sees Norman playing the piano. So, how can Norman be playing the piano and be upstairs at the same time? That's yes, what this is a plot hole. Yes. So, and Norman's playing a very famous song from his the piano, too. Do you know what song that is? Uh, I knew you were going to ask me that. I know. No, I, I don't know. I, I don't know off the top of my head. But yeah. I knew you were going to ask me that question. Well, the only reason I... Okay, I so the reason I like this particular song that he's playing on the piano is because this was a song that they played during an episode of Rurouni Kenshin, and I always liked it from that episode. So that's why I always recognize this song. But I always forget what the song is titled. But uh, maybe I'll... That's interesting. Maybe I'll add it in there. Yes, it's in a... Um, it's in a, uh, not the, it's like when they were doing the, the, do you remember anything about Ramona Kenshin or no? Yeah. I mean, I watched it like in the nineties, so okay. I don't remember a lot about it, but I do remember. It, it. was there, it was when they were doing that Christian storyline with that guy. It, it wasn't part of the manga. It was just one of those off seasons. And the guy, yeah. he knew, uh, Kenshin's, he had like the same, um, style technique that hit to Mishirugi, but he, he it was different. Like he was like this Christian warrior and stuff that learned the technique. And then every time we would see him, they would play that particular piano song. So that's why I have it in my head. Every time I hear that song, I just think about that scene. But anyway, on or on on to other things. So this is when, let's see. And then, you know, so Mary's looking a little confused. I guess she's thinking like, well, how is somebody peeping on me if he's playing down here? So, and this is when we get Norman looking at the, the himself in the mirror very weird. And we hear a long, a loud horn, like a little, like a car horn. It's warring. He's outside mm. saying, wake up, nut, nutcakes. <laughs> <laughs> Says, okay, psycho, I'm moving out. And then the phone yeah, rings. Get his stuff. Yeah. And the phone rings. He's like, who is this? Norman picks up the phone. And he's like, no, my mother's dead. Said, if this is you, Timmy, you're sicker than I ever was. <laughs> you, Timmy. <laughs> and now Timmy, is, he's inside the office trying to get his stuff. And then... um we see uh, like a dress, and then we see Timmy getting chopped with a knife. Yep. All right, so he's gone. So mm -hmm. we're in the, it's in the morning time right now. Norman gets a visit from the doctor. All right, his 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 main doctor. 
He said, uh, hey, Norman. So Norman's outside. He's like painting. Like he's like um, trying to like uh, revamp the hotel. He's like, hey, I heard you quit your job at the diner. It's like, yeah, I thought I'd make more money here at the hotel. That's what Norman was saying. He said, mm. like, uh, you know, what about what about Toomey? He's like, hey, man, I had to fire him. He was trying to make this place an adult establishment. Can you believe that? An adult <laughs> establishment. <laughs> I was like, damn, okay. But he just, yeah, an adult establishment. Um, but I mean, he is a person from 1960. Yeah. And I think they play that really well in the oh, yeah. movie is that he's, he basically hasn't changed his thought process yeah. since 1960. Yeah. And, you know, so he seems like a man out of his time or something. Like, he's from the past. Yeah, which is great. Like, I loved it. Like, this is he did uh, Anthony Perkins did a very good. Hell yeah, he did. He did very good. Like, the acting on this is superb. And it's yeah, like, and he, I mean, well, Anthony Perkins is a great actor. But, I mean, yeah. he brought back that he brought back that Norman character perfectly, which I didn't really remember from the first time I'd seen it. But, yeah, he, I mean, he, he I mean, he just brought. Because Norman Norman Bates has a very particular way of moving and talking. Yeah, like you know, he's not just a regular character. He has a very specific thing that he does, and he brought that back twenty years later perfectly. It's yeah. incredible. So then the doc sees a woman in the window. He's like, "Who's that woman? Who's that woman in the window?" And he's like, "Oh, that's Mary. We are, you know, we're just friends." And then we see Mary. She's putting on some makeup. Mm. And this is when Mary finds the peephole, and then she sees an eye look at her through the peephole. Yeah, that okay. scared the shit out of me. Yeah, that was that was that was truly scary. Yeah, I mean, jump scares don't scare me much, but that was truly scary. Like she's looking through the peephole, and yeah. then like, then all of a sudden you see the eye pop up in front of it. Like, yeah, that was that was scary. Yeah. So Mary comes out now. Norman's looking all kind of happy. Uh, he introduced her to the doc. You know, this is Mary. Said that they met at the diner. She says, like, you know, and then Mary's like, oh, did you tell him about your, your ideas to revamp the place? And he's like, yeah. So, like, and, uh, so, so, so now Mary's like, hey, I need to get to my job. And the doc's like, okay, well, I can give you a lift. So they go off. This is when the doctor now, we see another scene of the doctor is now meeting the sheriff. So we now mm-hmm. be introduced to the sheriff of the town, Sheriff Hunt. He asked about, um, you know, do you know anything about the Norman Bates case? He says, yes, some people I knew worked on it before. He said, how's Norman doing? And he said, uh, you know, he seemed to be doing people, you know, fine. Uh, now, uh, so the doc wants to have the sheriff tap uh, Norman's phone, mm-hmm. you know. But the, the sheriff's like, no, we can't do that. This ain't no California or anything. <laughs> this ain't no California. Yeah, we like this ain't no here. town. We can't. We don't do that around here. And then we don't do that in Arizona. Yeah. So and then the the doc's saying, okay, well, can you at least check up on Norman and Norman and Mary? Do you know who Mary is? Yeah, I do. Okay, check up on her to make sure everything's good. He's like, okay. Mm. And then we see him, the 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 sheriff hunk, eat some food. All right. This now, one. Why do you think he wants him to tap his phone? Well, because I. So I think he, 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 I think he's getting worried about like a lot of the. He just wants to know if somebody's bothering Norman or not because he. Okay. Because I guess because Norman left his job, he has this new girl over here. He just wants to make sure everything's okay. So. Okay. Because Norman hasn't mentioned getting any phone calls from his mother yet. Not not to him anyway. Yeah. Not now. Yeah. Not yet. Yes. Um. So you know. So he, he wouldn't be tapping it for that reason, but um. 
but yeah, I guess, I mean, I guess that's why, you know, he wants people to listen in on his phone just in case people are uh, harassing him or whatever. Cause everybody's kind of on Norman's side um, at this point. Yes. So this one, Norman's paying the, paying the motel penny yellow, by the way, it's a very interesting color. Yeah. Here's a noise, sees his mother in the house, under the window, goes inside the house, looks through the, her room and everything, and then eventually sees, so this is her room too, when he goes into the mom's room, it's all done original. Like, when mm-hmm. we saw the room the first time, it was all everything was a lot boxed up, and sheets on it, and when he goes back into the room right now, everything is all how, how it was in the first movie. Yeah, he event- set it up the way it was originally. Yes. And then he eventually sees a note saying, get rid of that slut, or I'll kill her. Love mother. <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's my favorite part of the whole thing. Is yeah. like, it's like it has all this like aggressive like language and this like love mother. Yep. Every note has that. Yeah, like, every note. Yeah. And then Norman Please looks, kill this bitch. Love yeah, mother. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then Norman looks all confused and everything, goes upstairs to different rooms, gets into the attic and the door closes behind him. And it starts locking and he's locked in. Right. So then we see these two kids. They are sneaking up into the uh, the cellar of the Bates house. The blonde girl says, "You know, we you know is it okay to be doing this." Like, yeah, we do this a bunch of times. So they start going down and they start looking around everything. Guys start smoking. Then they start kissing. Blonde hears the noise. All right, guys like, "Oh, don't worry about that." And they start kissing again. Eventually, they hear another noise. Alright, then the guy's like, okay, we gotta go figure out what's going on with here. The guy goes looking around. Then, when he looks into the uh, different part of the cellar, he sees, like, this woman in a shadow walking around. Mm-hmm. And then it's, the blonde's like, oh, fuck this. She tries to escape. So she goes on, she falls a little bit, but eventually gets to the window. Mm-hmm. Guy's, like, looking at this girl the whole time. And then when the girl, this girl had, like, a freaking huge, did you see how big that knife was? Yeah. Like, holy shit, that's, like, some fucking, that's a huge-ass knife. Mm. So, so then, when, like a kitchen knife, yeah. Yeah. So then the uh, the the shadowy figure attacks the guy. All right, and then the guy tries to escape, but he can't. He gets slashed. And then while he's getting slashed, we see a bunch of like fruit fall down, and everything, and we see the blonde girl run away. All right. So after this, Mary shows up, lets Norman out of the room. He said, like, you know, hey, thanks for letting me out here. I was locked in here like pretty much all day. And then Mary's like, oh, this door wasn't locked at all. All right. She said, like, hey, hmm. somebody's been messing with me. Somebody left another note here again. And then and then they start wandering through the house. Like, Norman starts running through the house. It's like, there's somebody here in the house. They locked me in this room, and they left me a note. And then Mary's saying, there's nobody in the house at all, and there's no note. I didn't see anything. And then, he, and then they went back to the mother's room. It's like, this room is all fixed up. Like, what's going on over here? Then they hear a knock at the door, and then, um, and then when they go downstairs, Mary's like, "Hey, don't tell them about the room, you know how your mom's room is all fixed up." And this is when we have the sheriff Hunt and his deputy Mike. Mm-hmm. All right, they yeah. are now questioning Norman, be like, "Hey, Norman, you know what's going on? Everything? Have you seen uh, a teenage boy and a girl around here?" And then Norman's like, "Oh, is there any trouble?" He's like, "Yeah, there's some trouble." I got a girl at the station who says a large woman dressed up in black stabbed her friend in the cellar. And then Norman's asked, like, well, why? <laughs> this is a funny line, too. Norman's like, well, why would there be kids in the cellar? And Helen was like, you know, smoking dope. You smoking know, dope. getting it on, Norman. 
Come on now, you don't know about this? All right? And it's like, hey, you know anything about that? He's like, I don't know anything about that. I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about. I was locked up in the basement the whole time. And then they eventually yeah, go yeah. to the fruit cellar. Right. So, and then after, so fruit, it's kind go of, ahead. No, I was going to say, it's kind of interesting because like, so at this point in the movie, so we're probably, I don't know, a little more than a quarter of the way through it. We're not quite yeah. halfway through, I think. And so they're setting it up as like a mystery. The movie is like a mystery. Like who's doing the killing? Is it Norman or is it the ghost of the mother or is it somebody else? Yep. But it's strange because not only that plot hole that I'll mention when we get to the end and the wrap up, but there is a, um, like, like it's almost like Norman couldn't possibly have committed these murders. So I'm not sure how we're supposed to think that he did. Well, unless he has some, <clears throat> I guess you're supposed to think he has some secret way around the house, but like, you know, cause he legitimately thought he was locked in the attic. Yeah. Um, but then who knows, man, you know, maybe the mother personality takes over because in the original movie, he didn't really know that the murders had happened. Like somebody would get killed and he'd be like, oh, mother, what have you done? Yep. That kind of thing. Well, Allison, there is a explanation to everything that I can. Sweet. I can break it down because what I did with this movie, since I took so many notes, I figured it all out. And I will tell so, you yeah. pretty soon. I think I figured I think I can answer all your questions and. Hopefully, all the audience's questions as well, too. So, because they, what, what, what happens was, <clears throat> a lot of times in this movie, <clears throat> they explain the plot. And, <laughs> yeah, brother. I feel like one of those smoky wrestlers, yeah, brother, back in 1950, we had the house going, you know what I mean? They're fucking off the raptors, got this rat in my back, you know? <laughs> but uh, they, they explain a lot of this story, but in passing. Okay, like it was like a very quick line where they explain the whole plot, and I'll get to that. Okay, okay. so they're in the fruit cellar. All right, they're looking around the fruit cellar, and then the cop hunts like, man, it's kind of clean around here. And then she goes to Mary. Is like, hey, Mary, do you know why Norman doesn't come down here to the fruit cellar? She's like, no, because he used to keep his dead mom's corpse in here that, that he robbed from the grave. Who's t- who's saying that line? Who, that's, who is that? that's the sheriff. The sheriff Hunt. Oh, the sheriff, yes. Okay, yeah. yeah. He has to keep his dead mom's corpse down here. Yeah. I was like, okay. So I want to make sure you knew that since you're staying here. Yeah, I want to, yeah, I want to make Not sure to you know that. Not or anything, but... Yeah, and then they go on like, you know, Norman, why is this place so clean? He's like, I'm not sure. I don't know what's going on. And then Mary's like, I cleaned it. I don't like a dirty house. So like, okay, we got an alibi coming here. Then Mike goes to Norman. He's like, hey, Norman, why is your little hatch open? He's like, I don't, I don't know. He's like, you better, you better close that up or they're going to rob you blind. Okay. Yeah, better lock that. <clears throat> and then they go on. And she's like, "Listen, Mary, are you sure you cleaned up this house?" Mary's like, "Yes, I'm sure." Okay. So this one, the sheriff and the Mike, they leave because they got their alibi. You know, because mm-hmm. they were both there's a clean basement. There's no body. How can you do the thing? <clears throat> um. So before before um sheriff and the Mike are about to leave. They asked them, like, hey, do you guys happen to hear anything around four or five? <clears throat> like, what were you guys doing around four and five? Mary's like, we were just uh, walking down the, the, in the in the field, me and Norman were. And then when they left, Norman's like, why are you lying to the sheriff? And she's like, I have to, be, or it's over to arrest you. And Norman's like, oh, boy, I think you're starting again. And he starts to go <laughs> off in a tandem. I was like, oh, boy. I think we're starting again. <clears throat> 
So now we have been, now we're introduced again to Lily Loomis. She, sh she mm. shows up um, to, um, to, to talk to the Sheriff Hunt. And she's yeah. like, hey, she's Sheriff. Played, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, she's played by the same actress, too. She's played by Vera Miles, who was in the original movie. That went to investigate her sister's death. Yes. And yes. That, that's what her character was. So she said, hey, mm, you know. Character. Yeah, it's the same character because she said her name is Lily Loomis. But then she's like, mm -hmm. I used to be called Lily Crane. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, okay. I remember you and your husband and stuff. How's your husband doing? He passed away. I was like, oh, boy. Okay. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. She asked, like, <clears throat> he's like, you know, what is going on with Norman? Why haven't you arrested him yet? He said, and then the sheriff goes, like, listen, he had an alibi with this girl, Mary. And I don't have a body. I don't have, you know, any evidence to put him away. She's like, well, why don't you go check the swamps? That's where he used to put all his bodies all the time anyway. And he's all like, listen, I, you know, what do you got? You know, we got a lot of stuff going on. I mean, he's just trying to be normal. You know what I mean? He's just trying to, like, live his life. And she's like, you know, like, when he starts killing people, you know, you'll be, you'll be starry. And then the sheriff goes on like, man, looks like there's a bunch of tons of crazy people in this town, not just Norman. So mm -hmm. this is when, like, Norman's right now is, like, like going insane. Like, he's, like, <clears throat> like he doesn't know what's real or what's not real right now. He's, like, not trusting himself. And Mary tries to go find him a drink. So Mary eventually goes to the office, like, the, uh, the motel office. She's looking all around. We see all this cool taxidermy everywhere. And then after that, we have Lily Numis shows up. And we get our first swerve. Mm -hmm. Now, is anybody? Yes. Brother. So this this movie actually, Allison, had a swerve within a swerve, and we'll mm. get there. The double, the famous double swerve. The famous double swerve. Now there's been a lot of double swerves in wrestling. That's where we get the name swerve from. And of mm. course, there's always been a nice. There's been good swerves and there's been bad swerves. Okay, yes. a good swerve would be uh, the, the 1998 Survivor Series, where we thought that Vince McMahon was going to have Mankind win the whole tournament. But then he mm. screwed Mankind at the end and went with The Rock, even though he was fooling with The Rock. That's a great swerve. Yeah, okay. double turn. Well, kind of a double yes. turn. A bad swerve would be like, okay, we have a world championship match, and we're going to have uh, Jeff Jarrett and Eric Bischoff versus DDP and David Arquette, and one of them are going to win the world title. And to swerve, you guys, we're going to give it to the actor. That's a bad swerve. So, that's a bad swerve. That's a bad swerve. So everybody, that's an example of what we mean by when we say swerve. Okay? And this movie had a swerve. So apparently, Lily Loomis is Mary's mother. Okay? Yep. And yep. we find out that this has been a whole conspiracy. And basically, and this is actually, so this actually, this swerve made sense. Okay? Mm -hmm. Because. This part does make sense. Yes. yes. Because Lily Numis, like I said, she was there to investigate her sister's death. And this is her daughter. They both knew that Norma was going to be, um, um, you know, released from prison. And they wanted to get him back in prison. So what they did was they were planting a bunch of stuff to get him to, be in, to go insane again. So they can put him back into jail for revenge mm. for him killing um, their, the, his aunt, her aunt and her sister. So yeah. So how far into the movie are we now? This seems pretty early for this reveal. Oh uh, no, we're about like halfway through. This is a long movie. 
So we still got a lot yeah, more it's, stuff. It's a going. really, it's a really long movie, but yes. yeah, it seems like this seems like really early for this to be revealed <laughs> in this movie. But yeah, but it, but it is revealed about halfway through. Yeah, it did take a te- it did take like to, about yeah. forty minutes to get here. So yeah, they're trying to set up Norman. Basically. Yes. So during this time, you know, the, the mom's like, you know, why why did you have an alibi from Norman? We had him. Like, if you just would have told him what happened, we would have got him. She's like, no, like he he really didn't do it though. Like I I literally locked him up in that room. Like somebody else killed that kid, and she the mom's like, who cares if somebody else killed the kid? You know what I mean? We got him. She's like, I can't put it away like an innocent man. Like I gotta prove that he's doing these bad stuff before I can put him away. And she's like, well, think about your aunt, All right? She's and I said that um. And, she, and then uh, Mary's like, listen, that happened like 22 years ago. You know, people can change. And then Lily's like, people can't change. Like, he, he's still going to be crazy and he's going to be killing more people. And he's like, <clears throat> she's like, listen, mom, I went to all your petition signings. <clears throat> I went to all your rallies. You know, I supported you throughout this whole journey, but I'm not living for dead people anymore. You know, and I'm going to go help out Norman because he's a nice guy. And then she's like, you're going to regret it. He's going to freaking kill you and stuff. So we're seeing some tension now between Mary and her mother about, you know, trying to uh, trap Norman. <sighs> yes. So now we're up there. Now we're out. Norman now sees blood coming from the, <laughs> the toilet and the shower. And he's like, oh, shit. What did I do now? <laughs> and then Mary sees it. And then, and then Norman's basically like, oh, after I killed that kid, I must have, like, tried to wash his blood off. And then Mary's like, no, this wasn't you. And he's like, how do you know it wasn't me? He's like, I, you were locked up in the basement. Well, you said you said I wasn't locked up in the basement, so how could it not be me? And then Mary's like, trust me, it just wasn't you, and I'll clean this stuff up. So now Mary's trying to, like, she doesn't want to tell Norman that, hey, I've been, like, fucking with you. You know what I mean? So, right. so we actually did find out that Norman couldn't done that murder because he was right. legitimately locked up. But he couldn't have done any of the murders because he wasn't even in the same place. Like, he couldn't have killed Loomis because he was in the house. Yes. And there's no way he could have gotten back and forth that quick. Yes. But, um, but yes, but yes. So we know, we know now that he for sure is not doing the murders and he's being set up by somebody. And we, and we know that it's that, uh, Lila Loomis is trying to set him up and get him back in prison. Yes. You got it. So Mary tells him to go get a drink and she'll clean this up. And then we see an eye to the peephole. All right, and then, you know, Mary feels like she's being watched. She asks for Norman, but Norman's downstairs, so we don't know who's looking through the peephole at this time. So Mary grabs a gun, and then she goes into the mother's room to see who was looking through her through the peephole. And then she's looking through the, the peephole again, just through the bathroom sign, and then she sees an eye again. And she tells, tells Norman, like, hey, there's somebody in this place. And then Norman runs in and she's like, oh, he runs upstairs and he's like, oh, where did you get the gun? And she says, like, don't worry about that. There's somebody up in here. We got to go look for him. Um, and then he's all like, did you bring that gun because of me? And they have like this little awkward um, back and forth. Yeah, no, my mom, she says, no, my mom gave me this gun. Yep. All right. So let's see. So now Mary's trying to call her mom. Um, mom, and then the mom is not coming back yet. So now Mary thinks like it's just the mom stalking around this house. So Mary looks around. Norman does also. Norman now hears his mother's voice downstairs, and then he goes upstairs and he's in the 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 room that Mary was staying in, and he's all like, "Hey, 
my mother's alive and she he wants to he wants to kill you mary and mary's like no your mother's not alive she's like dead he's like no i heard her voice downstairs so i don't think it's my mother who was my the the girl i was taking care of i think it's my real mother that's alive and wants to wants to take you down and then mary's like kind of going back and stuff is like it's like listen let's just stay here <clears throat> we'll go down there in the morning time and i just want to save her and i'll protect you and then they kept going back and forth because mary didn't want to stay in the room but eventually <clears throat> they do and then they go to sleep so. so we're showing now that norman thinks now that he had a different mother and his real mother is alive now and she's the one tormenting everybody and then of course yeah but yeah and then mary thinks it's her mom doing all the the tormenting right and so now we see norman he's above mary with the knife mary wakes up freaking out all right she says like tell him you know to put the knife down it's a, and then well, mary, she says she <laughs> says what are you doing yeah what are you doing <laughs> like <laughs> And then uh, Norman's like, oh, is it because I'm confused again? <clears throat> and then she says, yes. No, no, basically, um, Norman's saying, like, you know, am, am I becoming confused again? And she's like, oh, maybe not. She's like, no, tell me. Tell me if I'm becoming, like, crazy again. She's like, yes. And this is when they get the yes. whole thing. They they, they talk. Um, he, or Norman's like, yeah, just, like, don't take me back to that mental institute. This is when Mary goes, this is when like, you know, Mary eventually gives him a hug. And then this is a little weird. Uh, Norma says, you smell good. She's like, oh, what do I smell like? You smell like sandwiches. You smell like <laughs> toasted cheese sandwiches. Cheese sandwiches. He's like, my mother used to make me toasted cheese sandwiches. One of the few things I remember when she before she went insane. The doctors, they took all those memories away, but I still got the memories of the toasted cheese sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Boy, he loves them some toasted cheese sa- You know, who doesn't like yeah, a good what, toasted what, cheese sandwich, you know? Well, what is it? What is it? Is it what is a toasted cheese sandwich? So is it like a grilled cheese or I guess yeah. I'm pretty sure yeah, I guess it's a grilled cheese. They just call it toasted grilled toasted uh, cheese like sandwich. Cheese. I guess so. Maybe it's yeah. like a you know, nineteen sixty thing. I don't know. No, maybe. So after this nice little moment, we are now next morning, we're downstairs. We hear a knock at the door. The doc has arrived again. All right. He asks, hey, where's Mary? And then uh, Norma's like, oh, she went into town. Like the acting on this is like, this is like old school acting, like where they they embellish everything. You know what I mean? The doc said, oh, where's Mary? Oh, Mary, she just went into town. Oh, why'd she go into town? I don't know. She didn't tell me. Okay. Okay. There's like those little, little, little lines right there. Uh, this is when also to the doc now reveals like, hey, I got a theory over here. So Lily Loomis has been staying in the town. Do you know who that is? He's like, yeah, I know who that is. She was at my courtroom and stuff. She's like, did you know that Lily? Did you know that Mary is the daughter of Lily Loomis? He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so they are doing this stuff because they they hate you. They they hate you and they want to twist your mind to get you back mm-hmm. into the hospital. Right. And then Norman's like, no, it's like, actually, you got it wrong, Doc. It's actually my mother that's doing this. <laughs> and then the Doc's like, no, Norman, your mother is dead. He's like, no, 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 not, not that mother. It's my other mother that's doing this. So why does he think this? Like, do we don't do we, we don't have any plot reason that he thinks he has another mother, right? Well, yes and no, but it's very subtle. The problem, okay. Okay. The, the, there actually is, 
a plot in there, but like it, it's not revealed until the end, or where it kind of like well, makes sense. Okay, all right. Well, we'll talk about it when we get to the end. Yes, it says like I saw my mother in the window. Okay, and my mom is making me a bunch of calls. She keeps calling me and stuff. And the doc's like, no, it was either Mary or Lily in the window. He's like, well, what about when I got calls? Mary's right beside me. He's like, well, then it was Lily giving you those calls. Okay. He's like, like, no. He's like, my mother, I heard my mother's voice downstairs. All right. Then they go downstairs. Uh, Then this is when we get Mary. She confronts her mother now outside the hotel. She's like, how come you keep calling Norman all the time? She's like, I'm, uh, it's like, I didn't call him. I didn't, so like, I didn't even call him last night. Well, she said she, she was calling him, but she didn't call him a particular night. Right. She, she says, like, well, what about all that blood in the bathtub? Mother says, I didn't do all that. I didn't bring no blood in the bathtub. It's just, I was like, and then Lily's like, listen, Mary, I just need you to, like, get him to dress up like his mom. We'll have the police out there and we'll get him. And then, and then this is when the mayor's like, listen, like, I don't want to do that anymore. You know what I mean? Like, Dorman's a good guy. You know, I'm not living for the, you know, dead people anymore. You know, I supported you throughout this whole time. You know what I mean? Like, I just want you to leave us, leave him alone over here. And the mm-hmm. mom's not letting up. She's not going to want to do that. And then while they're arguing stuff, uh, somebody comes vacuuming. So we couldn't hear what they said at the end. So now we're at the graveyard. And this is when they pull up the dead mother's body. And the doc's like, look, you believe us now, Norman? Norman's like, oh. So it's like, oh, I, you know. It's like, I guess it wasn't my mom. So Norman's now back at the house. Uh, Mary's back in the house as well. So Norman comes in the house and Mary's already in there. She's like making food. Right. She's making some lunch. And this is when... Um, Norman comes up. It's like she's like, "Hey, where were you at all day, Norman?" It's like, "Well, I was at the cemetery, cemetery, pulling up my dead mother's body, proving it was not her. Uh, to, proving that it wasn't her ghost, basically." Right. She says, "Like the docs, the, my doc's been saying you and your mother have been doing these phone calls to me. So I think it's Lily. It's your mom." Mm-hmm. Larry says, "It's it's it's uh, not." She says, like, no. <clears throat> um, Mary's kind of going and saying, like, no, it's no one. Like, I'm not sure who's doing these phone calls. And then, um, so right right when Norman was about to be, like, interrogating Mary about all the stuff going on, this is when the phone rings. And the phone's on here. And Norman's like, oh, it's you, mother. And then, like, uh, Mary grabs the phone. And she does. she's like, hey, you know, get off here and stuff. And she doesn't hear any voices. And then Norman takes back the phone. And he's like, oh, mother. Yeah, I'm sorry for all this stuff, Mother. I cannot do that. I really, I really like her mother. When Norman's on the phone, Mary goes upstairs and pretends to be the mother on the phone to get him to hang up the phone. So then Morton mm-hmm. sits down, and then he's saying, like, listen, it's not my mother. It's my real mother. So it's not the mother we found in the grave. It's like my real, actual mother. Mary said, it's not. It's, she's like, Mary said, no, it's not your real mother. It's my mother doing this to you. See, and she's, then she's basically, she's spilling the beans, Norman. She says, like, you know, me and Lily, we were trying to, you know, drive you crazy again. Um, I stopped, but she she's keep going to we want to see you locked up. She said, like, Norman's like, well, why did you stop? And she's like, oh, because it wasn't right, what we were doing right. to you. And then Norman asks, like, 
Is that the real reason? <laughs> so we're getting some tension between them. So now she's Mary's totally on Norman's side right now, basically. Mm-hmm. So, so now the cop Mike is at the door. He needs to be see Norman because they found something in the swamp and they leave. And then now we see the phone ring, and then it was Lily on the phone this time. So whoever's on the phone the first time wasn't Lily. So it was a mystery person who was on the phone this time. So this is when we have Lily. She's leaving the car, and now the doc is following Lily. All right. So this is when we're at the swamp. Uh, Sheriff Hump Hunt shows um, Toomey's, uh, like, they found, like, uh, Toomey's, like, gear, like, his uh, luggage. They show it to Norman, yeah. like, hey, we know what's going on with this Norman stuff. Like, oh, that's his stuff, but I don't know where he went. Like, I just fired him, and he left and stuff. And it's all like, um, and this is when Mary says, like, hey, you know, somebody keeps, like, pranking Norman. She keeps calling him stuff. You should look into it. And eventually, Norman leaves. And this is when Hunt's basically going to Mary. like, hey, you know, I know you and your mother, what you guys are up to. And it's not, you know, illegal what you're doing, but it's morally illegal. And I, I think it's just a good idea for you that you both leave this town right now. All right? Mm-hmm. And then why they do this, the car, um, Toomey's car, has been found. Yeah, they're pulling it out of the swamp. Yes. So now we have Lily. She shows up at the Bates place, and she goes into the house, and then she goes into the cellar where she has a hidden uh, outfit of the mom. So she's been around the house playing like Norman's mom to get him to go crazy. Right. She brings up her outfit. But then, right when she gets her outfit, she looks behind her, and we see another person in the debates mom's outfit with a huge knife and it goes boom right through her throat that's a yeah, crazy that was a good effect too yeah yeah that was a great effect pretty crazy one mm. so now this is when we had the doc he's going up to the house he goes by the cellar um he sees norman he says like uh <clears throat> he says i i he says i figured it out you know lily she was she was dressing up as your mother this whole time like she's been the one that's been tormenting you and everything and norman said like listen man no it's my real mother Okay, it's not this this little girl, right? It's my real mother. She's like, no, Norman, we already proved that your mother's dead in that damn coffin, all right? And he's like, no, man, my my real mom, she's just been taking care of me this whole time. Yeah, she's it's like a different mom. Yeah, she's like, so I'll prove to you that it's your. This is Lily this whole time. Just come follow me. So he's like, okay, yeah. And then they go down there to the cellar, and then he eventually shows her all this like the stuff, and then um. He's like, listen, Norma, if I can get some more evidence of this, will you believe me? He said, yes. And, he's like, and then we see a rock fall, and he's like, oh, this will be loads off my mind. So we're seeing that the doctor, you know, wants to prove to Norman that it's not like some fantasy mommy he has. It's actually just Lily and, and um, Mary doing all this stuff to him. All right. So they bring up Toomey's car. The sheriff tells uh, to Mary to scram, get out of here. Uh, we see Norman playing the piano some more. Uh, Mary comes up to Norman, like freaking out, like, "Yo, yo, they found a, they found a, a, a car in the swamp. We need to get out of here. We gotta go." And he's all like, "Norman's like, well, why? Why would she do this? Like, like, just, just them find that car. They're gonna arrest you, all right?" Mm-hmm. He says, it, "It's, it's." So Mary now feels like it's all her fault. She's like, "It's my fault for grabbing you crazy." Um, she's all like, no, Which it's not. it really is her fault. Yes, it, it technically was. I mean, she, she really did cause most of this problem. Yes. 
So she's like, basically like, oh, it's my fault, I'm stuff. I'm sorry for this. Norman's like, no, it's not your fault. It's my mom trying to protect me. She's like, <laughs> that's what Norman's saying this whole time. So he's like, on, like, this is my mother doing this. And everybody's so <laughs> exasperated with Norman. or Well, no. Mary and the doctor and the sheriff, I guess, are so exasperated with Norman because he's like, no, none of this is happening. And I'm not being set up. It's my no. real mother trying to protect me. Yes. And, of course, Mary's like, oh, crap. You are, really are madder than a hatter. That's what she said. So the phone rings. <laughs> it's the doc. He, he's talking to Norman saying, like, listen, this is Loomis. The phone calls all came from this room, Norman. All right? From the hotel. From the hotel. It's not yeah, your mom. It's hotel, her. Yeah. Okay. So Mary grabs the phone. Doc hangs up. Norman uh, is on the phone again. And now he's on the phone and then he hears another voice. And he's like, oh, mother. He's like, I don't want to kill her, mother. Uh, I, I like her a lot, mother. You know, he's just on the phone, like just basically like we're having this other voice on this phone talking to him. Right. And, and then Mary tries to go upstairs. She tries to do the same thing that she did before to try to get him to stop. But it's not stopping. It's actually somebody really talking to Norman this time on the phone. So this is when Mary gets the idea to dress up like the mother to stop him. All right. Yeah, and this is when it all starts getting clusterfucked all together. Like every possible mistake that you could possibly make is happens in like a ten minute period here. Yeah. So this is when um, Mary she dresses up as the mother. She goes to goes to Norman's like, listen, I'm your mother. Stop it. Get off the phone right now. Your mom's telling you to get off the phone. And then um, <clears throat> when we get that part, when she eventually stops a little bit, so she's, she's dressed up. She's trying to get Norman to stop. And then she's like, crap, it's not working. So she goes upstairs, try to do the phone thing. And then when she's trying to leave the room, boom, the doctor comes in and scares her, says, I got you. And then she gets freaked out and she starts stabbing. She stabbed the doctor. And eventually the doctor made a freaking tumble. And then, boom, he falls down and he got fucking stabbed to death. And she's like, oh, shit, I didn't mean to do that. Then she goes downstairs. She talks to Norman. He's like, you know, Norman, we got to get out of here and stuff. And Norman's like, it's okay, mother. It's okay, mother. Like, I've helped you before in the past. I can help you cover this up again. And she's like, no, Norman, I'm not your mother. It's me, Mary. She's taking up all her stuff. She's like, it's like, it's okay, mother. I helped you save before. I'll help you, you know, clean up the doctor's mess. It's okay. She's like, I'm not your mother. And then they start, like, Norman starts coming to her closer. She starts stabbing him in the arms and stuff. Uh, and then the side and everything. And then eventually they get down to the cellar. And Norman's still preening with them and everything. We hear some cops come by to the room and then we see a rock fall and then we see the dead body of lily right there and then mary sees it and she's like oh shit you really are a psycho and everything you did it the whole time mm -hmm. and then right before she's yeah. about to stab him the cops shoot her down yeah so she she all of a sudden decides that she thinks that 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 norman did actually kill all these people like she just turns against them like right at that second and then right before she kills him the cops shoot her dead mm-hmm so now we're at the city hall. Uh, they go over what happened. Hunt tells like, these random reporters, I guess, um, that, listen, it wasn't Norman doing any of these killings. It was Lily and um, Mary. They planned the whole thing. They killed those kids, and they all planted the evidence to make it look like it was Norman to get back at it. And they're all like, mm -hmm. and, then, and then one reporter is like, well, why the hell would Mary like kill her own mother? He's like, well, Mary, she felt bad about the whole thing. They got in the fight, and that's how they killed her. So we're wrapping up the whole story 
is to believe that uh, Lily and Mare are the two killers in this whole scenario. Mm-hmm. So they said, like, you know, they killed the Toomey, blamed it on Norman. They killed the Doc to blame it on him, too. And they covered, they tried to cover their whole tracks, but they couldn't. So, let's see. So now the, doc, the, the sheriff's like, hey, Norm, I could take you home. All right. We're not we're at the home now. We see a, a shadowy figure come up to Norman's door. And, of course, they open the door, and it's that nurse from earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was her freaking name again? Emma. Emma. It's the, the nurse. I mean, not nurse, but it's the waitress from earlier, Emma. The waitress. Yeah. Yes. And he's like, oh, what are you eating? He's like, oh, I'm eating toasted cheese sandwiches. Cheese sandwiches. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's like, oh, can I have some tea? Yeah, I'll give you some tea. Do you want milk and sugar? Okay. And then she goes like, you know, I'm like really your mother. Or I think Norma asked like, hey, she is really my mother. Said, uh, so basically this Emma girl. So we basically mm-hmm. we get swerve number two. We have a swerve within yeah. a swerve. Okay. So now it is known that Emma is actually Norman's real mother. Because yeah. when Emma had Norman um, in her, her younger years... She wasn't fit to take care of him. So she right. she was like a teenager. Yes. So she let her her sister claim to be Norman's mother and take care of him while she'd be looking um because she just wasn't fit at the time to raise a child. And she says, like, you know, I've always looked after you, Norman, uh, from the sidelines. And then uh, you know, I just wanted to make sure, you know, when I actually finally got you back that nobody was gonna take you away from me. And she's all like, you know, all these people that were trying to harm you, I took them out one by one. So we found out that Emma was the was the figure behind everything. She was the one behind that boy's murder. She was the one peeping in all those holes. She was the one behind Lily's death to claim all the the murders to to protect her son. So Norman was technically right during the whole time. Yeah, he was right. So he did know somehow. Yes. But then Norman's twisted head knocks his mom mother out with a shovel to kill her. And eventually he mm-hmm. takes her body and he takes her body upstairs. And we hear, hey, Norman, I was like, I'm going to take you up to sleep, mother. You know, you, you look like you're tired. I'm not tired, Norman. Just put me by the window so I can stare at you getting all these dirty girls coming in here. It's like, you also need to go by the hotel. This place ain't going to run itself. All right, so basically, now we have converted back to Norman keeping his dead mother around, and he has turned back into a uh, psychopath now. Right back, yeah, back into a psychopath. So yes. he, um, yeah, so he just decides to kill her randomly, like at the end of the movie. Yes, another like sport. it just comes out of nowhere. Like he just picks up a shovel that's in the kitchen and just hits her in the back of the head and kills her. Yes. So I guess the only mother that Norman can have is if his mother's dead and he hears the mother with the inside his head. Mm-hmm. So, and then he stands outside of the Bates Motel looking all cool and then we end it and then it leaves room for a sequel, which there was one. Which there was. So that has been our stay at the Bates Motel. How did you enjoy your stay there, Allison? Um, I liked it a lot. I mean, I like this movie a lot actually i mean it was it was really well made i mean it was a little bit um 
ridiculous in some spots, I'll say. But I mean, it was really well made. My only one of my only questions, though, is why does his real mother, if she's going around killing everybody, why does she, why does she dress up as Norman's mother? Like, why does she bother to do that? Um, because nobody ever, because only people that ever see her dressed up that way is, is the audience, is yes. us. Well, there. So one scene could have made sense because you know when she killed the, the two kids, you know one got away, so that would kind of help out the cause, I guess. Uh, but the other well, not really because like, then it makes Norman look crazy. That's true. You know, because she intended to kill both kids. Well, we only saw her like dressed up like what twice. Maybe that's her like normal outfit. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I know, maybe hey, right. Maybe it's her normal outfit because <clears throat> she is kind of wearing a normal outfit that looks like the mother's outfit when she yeah. when she goes up the steps to to visit Norman at the end. Yeah. So you know the good thing about this movie, there is a lot of good like plot points where like you can like expand upon. You know, mm-hmm. like it leaves a lot of stuff open. Um, you know, this movie is not a traditional like slasher, nothing. Even though it has some like slasher elements in it, but you know, most of this is about the psychological story. I would say of Norman, yeah. Of Norman, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a story about Norman. You would say, yeah. I would say, anyway. So this 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 story is basically proving that we did help out Norman to become normal, but because of all these events of all these people trying to drive him crazy, eventually in the end, it did drive him crazy, and now he is back to how he was within Psycho One. Right. So his mom, his real mom, accidentally drove him crazy, or I don't know, maybe she did it on purpose. Who knows? But um, and then with Lila Loomis also contributing to uh to his mental health his mental instability yep but yeah everybody that has been our stop at the bates motel hope you all enjoyed this episode as much as we did i definitely enjoyed my stay you know once i got through all those uh, needles and my boy uh my boy uh um warren giving me a naughty magazine it was pretty good you know once norman mm. got there you know once norman moved in we had a couple good toasted cheese sandwiches we talked about some good old times. So it was definitely a fun stay, I would say. But um, what are we doing for our final hotel stay, Allison? What kind of great experience do we have coming up on our final stay? So we waited until the very end for this, for the very final week of hotel month of January. Possibly the most famous hotel horror movie ever made. Yep, you guessed it. Got it. It's Mountaintop Motel Massacre from 1983. Woo! Mountaintop Hotel Massacre, brother. Oh, I can't wait to stay at this one. We got all kind of craziness yeah. going over here. You're, you're going to love this. Oh, yeah. It's a, it has Satan. It has slashing. Oh. It has a lady named Ethel. Oh. It's going to be fantastic. You just uh, named all the things I look for at, for at my stay when it comes to different hotels. I'm ready for to sure. Go. Oh, yeah. All right, everybody. I can't wait. So join us next week for some crazy mountain hotel massacre goodness. And uh, stay here for a couple of it because I'm about to be playing a very rare Pantera song from their glory glam days. Let's see if I can find a good song for them to play. Let's see. How about we... Mine's got the whole thing on here. Let me give me one song. Let's see. Uh ooh. How about we do this one? How about we do Pantera from their album 
metal magic. Let's do sad lover. Like our boring Norman Bates. He's a sad lover. Sad lover. That sounds perfect. Sad lover, everybody. We'll check you out next week here on the Retro Blood. See you later. See you guys.